Why not? Um, I'm debuting my new hair. I did this today. I am not a hairdresser, but I mean, TBH, I think it came out really good. It came out pretty cute. I'm going for like the Dua Lipa vibe. Um, she's my favorite right now. Not shy about that. Um, but yeah, so tonight I'm drinking um, a Pinot Noir by Estancia, Mendocino County. It's um, kind of Central Coast wine, super tasty. Had a little bit already. Um, so cheers. Thank you to anyone who chooses to watch this after or show up. Hello, hello. Um, I miss going to galleries and getting free wine. So I decided to just drink wine alone and talk about art and hopefully people will do it with me. If not, um, I will drink wine alone and do research about art, which is what I'm already doing most of the time. Um, okay, so I've got Instagram Live going right here. I've got my Zoom room open right here. Um, if I'm, my headphones are in my Zoom room, so if people have any questions or anything like that, um, I'll be sure to repeat it for the live. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to cheers everyone virtually. Whoop. Um, it's so nice to have all these virtual events now and be like basically running this like virtual gallery. It's been my dream for a really long time. So it's super cool to do. Um, right before this, I was actually making um, pasta from scratch. It was super fun. I had these egg yolks left over from a cake I made last weekend. And I made just like super simple like egg yolk, a little bit of oat milk and olive oil. And then I made it like kneaded it into a really like crazy dough. Um, put it in the fridge for a little bit. I made this like creamy sausage parsley sauce and then rolled out the dough, sliced it into these like kind of rustic shapes and then went ahead, boiled that for a couple minutes, got the sauce on it and like scarfed it down super fast because it was so incredible. Um, I don't think I'm gonna buy pasta anymore, like legit, because <laughs> um, it was so, so good to make it fresh and it was so easy. But yeah, um, I am really into the British royal family right now. And I want to talk about the um, their art a little bit. Um, and so this is like a- Citizens are under 30. Um, this is basically like a way that a lot of art history classes controversial discussions. Um, so for example, the Elgin marbles um, are at the British Museum. And so I thought that we could talk about that tonight because um, fuck it, why not? Um, a lot of people are kind of like, I don't know, kind of obsessed with the British family right now because of, you know, um, Meghan and Harry and doing this like crazy interview and stuff. And so I just kind of thought, here, I'm gonna share my screen on Zoom so that this goes up on the YouTube of this, but um, I just thought it would be kind of cool to like talk a little bit more about um, the colonialism and imperialism that the British royal family has like enacted upon the, the world, specifically the arts world. Um, so, and even like amongst kind of Western cultures, I'm plugging my laptop in so it doesn't die. Um, even amongst like Western culture, there's still like hierarchy, I suppose we could say. Why isn't this charging? Oh 
my god i need like a production crew like i can't run this one show by myself anymore here we go are we charging charging beautiful okay um so with the elgin marbles i'm rambling but basically they are from greece um and the british museum won't return them to athens um and they're they're quite beautiful they come from the parthenon um so at the top of the parthenon there is that kind of like triangular space the columns are underneath it um and in that triangular space, there were specific um, carvings and things that were kind of done in relief, but also fully sculpted. Um, and these things rested in this kind of uh, decorative space where the roof was kind of being created um, in the Parthenon. And these marbles were taken from their place of origin and are now being stored at the British Museum. And they're on display. And um, at the Parthenon, they just have replicas. Uh, so, it, and, uh, you know, there's like debate as to whether the Greek um, kind of facilities will be sufficient for the needs of the marbles because they're quite old. Um, there's also conversation kind of about um, stewardship and, and now how they are a part of British culture <laughs> because they've been in the museum stolen for so long. Um, and so you can go on and on about this topic, especially in kind of once you start getting into foundations of our history, this is just kind of like an easy controversial topic to bring up. Um, but yeah, I don't really know if this is recording. I don't, is this working? Who knows? Um, we're gonna, we're gonna, keep, we're gonna keep going, we're gonna move ahead. Um, so yeah, the Elgin marbles, I thought that would be a good example to start with today just because I've been obsessed with the royal family this month um, and I watched like all of the crown and I really started thinking like what what impact have they had in these in these communities that they've kind of brought into the commonwealth and oftentimes there's um, an erasure of like brown and black culture but there is kind of um, a picking and choosing from those cultures of what is deemed like aesthetically interesting or aesthetically valuable um, in places like the British Museum. And so it's important to remember that all of these are connected to like one crown. There are a lot of precious resources that are being stewarded by the museum and they're the guys of like arts and culture. Um, and there's like quite a bit of um, extension in the arm of power of the British monarchy and the Elgin marbles um, where they kind of refuse to part with them even to a place where, you know, stewardship of, of these items is, is quite, um, common in Greece, they they know about preserving their artifacts. Um, they're not unable to do so themselves, and so you can see, um, you know, a lot of these articles coming up are like, wait, why are the you know Parthenon artifacts in the UK? Like, what are they doing there? Um, another really fun thing with the British Museum to talk about is this like crystal skull. Um, it was fake, it was fake, um, it's so Indiana Jones. And so there's this like crystal skull that's supposedly from Latin America, like pre-Columbian Latin America. And it's like so fucking Indiana Jones, it's crazy. Um, but basically, 
there is this crystal skull. It's in the British Museum. It's been tested. There's no like actual archeological evidence that it is an Aztec artifact. Um, but they leave it on display. They haven't taken it down. So I think like, you know, the British family is super fun to read about in the tabloids, but important to remember that even within this like kind of farce of this arm of power that's like definitely kind of more performative than anything else, um, they still maintain like resources and they get to decide what is and isn't art um, or like what is and isn't displayed in a place where many, many tourists come um, and see art and see things kind of on like face value rather than being like an investigative tourist, you probably are just enjoying your time at the museum and, and these things are being presented kind of more passively. Um, it does kind of put across collectively an image of um, cultural understanding as opposed to like cultural, um, I don't even know what to call it, uh, cultural, like pillaging <laughs> rather. So anyhow, um, that's our little intro. If people were here, I would answer any questions or open this up to discussion about, um, you know, how things work uh, in the British Museum or with, you know, kind of like provenance. I'd be more than happy to answer stuff like that. How does something get put in a museum in the first place? Who says that it can go there? Um, who says that it can't be taken out once it's in? So I'm happy to answer those questions if anyone wants to put any in the comments sections wherever these videos end up. Um, I'll also really answer follow-ups. But yeah, let's talk about other stuff. Um, I just put up a new offering this week I'm really, really excited about. It's called the Equinox Pack. So cheers to new offerings. Again, this is um, an Estancia Pinot Noir from here in California, very tasty. Um, a close colleague of mine gave me this bottle when I left Northern California um, because it's from the Central Coast and I had spent so much time in the Central Coast before I moved down to LA. Um, I'm back in Northern California now just because of 2020, basically. <laughs> um, but I'm back in Northern California and still a great bottle of wine. So, Equinox Pack. Um, everybody knows I do Solstice Synergy Creative Circle. It's like my brainchild, it's my baby. Um, and it's a creative mastermind that I offer two times a year, winter and summer solstice. Um, and during that time, you can join our Slack group. You become kind of a bonafide member of our crew, our cohort, um, and you get supported and uplifted in lots and lots of ways, but specifically you get one-on-one -on -one arts coaching with me and then as well group coaching. Um, through the through the modules that we do together. Those modules are now available for self-pacing. Um, and that's what the Equinox Pack entails. Anyone who joins the kind of program in the month following each Equinox, so spring and fall Equinoxes, um, becomes a member of the Slack group and gets to kind of join our little creative cohort midway through our cycle. Um, and you also get a free coaching session with me. So if you sign up before April 20th, you kind of get like Equinox Pack Plus. Um, Equinox Pack will always be available though at any point in time. Um, I will close 
Equinox Pack enrollment during Solstice Synergy because I really do think that it's better to do it with the pacing of the group. But I understand that like not everybody wants to make the financial commitment or the time commitment. And so um, Equinox Pack is something that you can do completely at your own pace. Um, there is a midway survey that kind of, you get like half of the modules at once. You do them at your own pace. You do a midway survey and then we uh, trickle you the second half of the modules. So it's something that I think is gonna be super duper beneficial for anybody who chooses to do it. Um, and what is it that these modules entail? That's a great question, Rainy. Um, <laughs> cheers. So we go through kind of this idea of ritualizing your work. So as a creative professional, you really have to carve out creative time, professional time, self-development, education, yada, yada, yada. And so in doing that, um, we really want to make sure that the creative side of things maintains some integrity. And one way that we can maintain integrity with our creative work is to ritualize it. And so we talk about building ritual and self-care into our day-to-day -day lives. We talk about kind of where creative space comes into that, what our creative temple looks like. We talk about the power of kind of authenticity, um, the power of the orgasm. We talk about the power of and tuning your body into the cycles of the earth and the planet. Um, and then from there, we move into what does it look like when you create work? What is the quality, the aesthetic, the value of your work? How does that propel you forward? Where are your obstacles in the way that you create? Um, and from there, we then talk about project management, the arc of a project, what um, point can your clients kind of buy into what you're doing? And then at what point are you kind of just running the show yourself and people are being attracted to you kind of like flies on shit or uh, bees on honey rather let's see more positive metaphor so um nobody's artist shit right and so <laughs> okay so um yeah i think that this program is wonderful we completed the first cycle of it and i know that and if you ask any of my participants they'd be more than happy to share what they've gleaned from the experience um, but you also can kind of test it, test drive it yourself. And if, um, you know, we'll see it down the line, like where the Equinox pack finds its place within the mastermind. And I'll make a, a separate feed for Equinoxers in our Slack. And we'll really kind of like look at this as a community building effort for creative professionals online, because we don't have these spaces anymore. Um, resources for the arts were already dwindling at the point um, in 2020, at least for community art spaces and things like that. So we've created something online that's really wonderful. And I think that everyone who joins will, will really like it. Um, teachings are geared towards women, but I'm not gonna tell you if you're a woman or not. That's all I have to say. Um, yeah, I'm loving this hair. So I did like kind of a, what's that? Oh, geez, is it a skunk? Is it Corella Deville? who knows? We've got a kind of, oh, wow. I think I want to do like a little touch up on the, on the bleach, but I'm actually kind of digging this like softer vibe. Um, very rock and roll, super into it. Yeah. I do all my scents myself. It's crazy. I really do. Um, <laughs> I cut my hair myself. Sometimes Sydney helps me, but I do my bangs myself, um, color myself. And now I guess I'm doing this thing with the bleach myself um yeah let's see what else is there to talk about 
So with Equinox Pack, um, what you'll walk away with, you'll walk away with a better sense of who you are as an artist. You'll kind of have more of a creative manifesto, a mission statement. Um, and right now we're doing things to kind of build up our ongoing portfolios, our digital spaces online, and kind of how we build concepts moving forward. Um, so even though our seminar has ended, we do happy hours every other Sunday where we really dig into each other's work. And because I already know where everyone's at and we've been doing this group coaching for so long, we really can just fall back into our patterns and um, get what we need out of these sessions. So it's been really wonderful. But yeah, um, Solstice is super cool. Um, I'm also really happy that I have time now in my schedule that I've been opening up for web design clients. So. Um, and branding uh, packages and things like that. And it's just been really a privilege to do this work. I don't really have anything else to say about it. It's just a privilege. Um, and I have no doubt that this like digital programming thing is gonna continue to be um, a wonderful like extension of everything else that I do. And once like the management of it gets more in, into place then I think that like everything else is gonna fall out really simply. So to that, let's all have a drink. Um, hmm. I miss a museum, I really do. I think I might try to go to a museum um, in April. That's kind of my goal in April is to find a show. I really, um, unpopular opinion time, I don't like the de Young Museum here in the Bay Area. Um, it's too dark inside. The building gives me vertigo and I don't enjoy my experiences as a patron when I um, go to that museum. So I don't really, even though I think it's open, um, I think they're doing Van Gogh. I, I don't, don't wanna go to Van Gogh. Um, <laughs> I, um, I like the Legion of Honor. Maybe I'll go to the Legion of Honor. One of my favorite museums is the Oakland Museum of California, and I live so close to it, um, but I don't know if it's open yet or when it will be. Um, yeah, I miss, I mean, like, I'd love to go to LACMA, which, like, I don't even like LACMA that much, but, like, I'd love to go to LACMA. Like, that's the museum vibe I want. Or, like, I'd love to go to the Whitney. Oh, I'm so nice. I think the Whitney is like probably one of my favorite museums. It always has been in their new location. Um, kind of the meatpacking is like really nice. They have, I'm always like, oh, we're done, but then there's another floor and it's just, but I'm never like tired in there. They've all, they've just got it down. Even when it was in the Briar building, like it was just a different vibe. It's a special treat, the Whitney. Um, I don't want to work in a museum, but I would work for the Whitney for sure. Um, but yeah, I don't think there's anything else. I think I'm running out of time on my IG live. We'll have another drink. I think that um, we'll do also in my next solstice seminar, I'm gonna be integrating a lot of like collaborator teaching and collaborator happy hours and we're going to be doing like holistic stuff, more wellness oriented orientation um, for the next one. And then I will be kind of managing the, the arts side of it, which will be totally separate. Um, but yeah. All right.
Um, I don't think anyone is going to hop on. That's okay. I'll be here again in two weeks doing the same thing. Um, yeah. Thanks, everyone. Happy Friday.